Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are going to be in the in the book of Exodus today in the 15th chapter. Amen. And of course, uh, we're going to be in verses 22 through 27. So just to uh, outline this chapter, uh, Moses has just brought the children of Israel through the Dead Sea. And he brought them out of Egypt, out of over 400 years in bondage. Uh, God led them to the Red Sea. God parted the Red Sea so that the children could, could go across the Red Sea on dry ground. And the Pharaoh's army was right on their heels. And when Pharaoh's army tried to follow the children of Israel, God closed in that sea and drowned the entire army in the Red Sea. And so the 15th chapter begins with Miriam singing that great song of victory. And that brings us all the way down to verse 22. But before we proceed, let's just go ahead and pray. Father, we ask you in Jesus name for your goodness and for your mercy. Lord, over this uh, program today, Lord, bless it. Bless the speaker. Bless the hearer. And Father, we'll give you all the praise and honor and glory for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. All right, beginning in verse 22, let's go ahead and read. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. That's the definition of Marah, bitter. So the people murmured at Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Notice verse 25. Then they cried out to the Lord. Then he cried out, excuse me. Then he cried out to the Lord. Moses cried out to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a tree. And he threw it into the waters. And the waters became sweet. And there he made for them a statute and a regulation, and there he tested them. Now, let's go ahead and review what we just read. So here's Moses, and he leads the children of Israel from the Red Sea into the wilderness. Three days, just three days. They've been three days in the wilderness. Three days from that great miracle of the Red Sea crossing. And they ran out of water. So when they arrived at Marah, they were expecting to drink, but the waters at Marah were bitter. And so they got mad and they murmured against Moses. That's what murmuring means. It means to complain in a bad tempered way. And so when Moses now, he's in distress, he cried out to the Lord. Moses cried out to the Lord. He was in distress. And what did the Lord do? Well, the Lord showed him a tree. And when Moses threw the tree into the bitter waters, the bitter waters were made sweet. And God allowed this now to prove the nation if they would be faithful and walk in obedience to him. But we want to get back to and Moses threw the tree into the bitter waters and the bitter waters were made sweet. Now, isn't that interesting? God showed him a tree. Now. What does that mean to us today? Well, our life before Christ was bitter waters. That's what we were. We thought we were having a high old time. We thought we were somebody going somewhere. But then somebody preached the gospel and we heard it. 
And we found out instead of us being somebody going somewhere, we found out that we were nobody going nowhere but hell. And the fact that we had one foot already in hell and the other one slipping in fast. And so we got under conviction of sin and we made our way down to the altar and we repented of sin and asked Christ to come into our heart. And guess what happened? The new birth happened and God instantly turned our bitter waters and he made them sweet. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so when the sinner cries out, when he gets to that place, when he realizes he's nobody going nowhere, and he's at the bottom of the barrel. As a matter of fact, he's not on, only he's not only at the bottom of the barrel. He's the barrel is on top of him and he's underneath it. And so when he cries out in repentance, what does the Lord do? Well, the Lord points him to the cross. And it's through the cross. Hallelujah. That the Lord then is able through faith, through repentance and faith is able to turn his bitter waters and make them sweet. Now, two, two scriptures I want to read to you before we move on. And the first one is in Galatians 3.13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, talking about the cross. And then in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Praise God. Amen. So God healed those waters and he healed us when we came to Christ. We were lost, but now we're saved. Amen. Praise God. We were sinners and now we've been made the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. Amen. So God healed our way. Now, the new birth is not a healing. The new birth is a new creation. But I'm telling you that through the new creation, the old things have passed away. That old bitter life and the new things all has become new. That's the new child of God, born again, new birth life. Praise God. We're filled with the life and the nature of Almighty God. Isn't that awesome? Now we come to verse 26, Exodus 15, 26. And the Lord said, now this is after he's done all this now. And the Lord said, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Praise God. That is an awesome promise, but it comes with the condition. Notice that the Lord God said, if you will. The covenant implies a condition. In other words, God said, I'll do this if you'll do this. And he is speaking that very thing to the nation of Israel. If you will do this, what is the this that God is telling the Israelites to do? Well, <clears throat> diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord. Do that which is right in his sight. 
Give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes. Think about that. Think about how awesome uh, that is. That seems like it's a very strict regulation, but really it's not. Not when you have the Holy Spirit inside uh, to help us. Praise God. So now this term, this phrase, if thou wilt diligently hearken, it comes uh, from the Greek, from the Hebrew word shama, and it means to hear. It means to attend. Actually, to hear or to attend. It means to obey, but it also means to tell. That is causative, to tell. God does something on the inside, and what do we do? Well, we just got to go tell it. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so what we're talking about here is we're talking about hearing with the intent to understand and to give attention to or to notice or to give special care towards something. So what are we to diligently hearken to? Well, God told the Israelites, number one is you're going to you need to diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God. Now, what does that mean? Voice of the Lord thy God. Well, God gave to Moses by revelation what we have in the first five books of the Bible. All the other books were by inspiration of God. God inspired holy men to speak. What we have today in all 66 books is God's revelation to you and to I. It is God speaking to us. So we could say it's the word of God, that it's like the voice of God. It is the voice of God. Hallelujah. And the children of God, including us now, I'm including the Old Testament saints as well as the New Testament saints, all of us, the children of God, we are to do, we are to hearken diligently to God's word, We are to obey God's word, and then we are to tell or to say what God has said. And the reason being is the word of God is God speaking to us. And God's voice comes to us two ways. Number one, it comes to us through the word of God, but it also comes to us through the Holy Spirit, that still small voice speaking to us bringing things that Jesus said to our remembrance. Hallelujah. So if we diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord, the voice of the word and the voice of the Holy Spirit, we're going to be doing three things. And this is what diligently hearkening to means. Number one, we're going to be attending to the word. Now, I want to read to you. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 22. And I want you to notice some things in here. Notice that uh, Solomon is writing to his son, and he says, My son, attend to my words. Well, the word attend there means to give attention to. But the interesting thing is that Solomon spoke this as an imperative. In other words, you're going to do this. And so God is speaking through this verse of Scripture to us. And he's telling us the very same thing. This is an imperative. You must do this. In other words, you must 
attend to my words. You know, the psalmist in the 78th division of the psalm says, give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. And then Isaiah prophesied in chapter 55 and verse 3, incline your ear and come unto me here and your soul shall live. Hallelujah. So we must attend to his words. Now, Solomon also wrote this, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Incline there is the Hebrew word nata, and it means to incline, to incline the ear, to lean you know how some people, you know, when they really want to hear what you what you have to say, they, they cup their hand over their ear and they lean towards you. Amen. That's what this word implies here. Now, this is also an imperative. Attend to my words and incline your ear unto my sayings. Hallelujah. And then Solomon said this, let them not depart from thine eyes. Now, the word depart is the Hebrew word loose, and it's in the imperfect tense. And it means do not allow my words to depart from your eyes. Or we could say it this way. Do not allow my words to depart from before you. And posit- in a positive note, it means to practice. <clears throat> it means to practice the word. It also means to exhibit the word. If you're a doer of the word of God, people are going to know it. Amen. They're going to recognize it. But, you know, it also means this, not to deviate the word from your eyes, from before you. And then Solomon said this. He said, keep them in the midst of thine heart. Now, let's look at a seed. Now, the only way a seed can do its work in producing a harvest producing a crop is to have that seed continually in the ground where it's receiving the right moisture, the right nutrients in order for that seed then to burst and to, and to uh, produce a crop like a corn seed and a stalk of corn. It's got to be kept in the ground. Well, the word of God has got to be kept in your heart and in my heart. Amen. It's got to be kept in our mind. Hallelujah. Notice what God spoke through Moses to the children of Israel. This is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. And these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall bind them, for a sign upon your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the posts of thy house and on thy gates. All right, what is your house? It's not the building you live in. The house is what? It's the house of your heart. Hallelujah. And your gates are what? Your eye gates and your ear gates. That's how the word gets into you and me, and that's how the word gets into us, and that's how then we're able to prosper. And that's exactly what Solomon said in verses 22, verse 22, rather. For they are life unto those that find them, and health or medicine to all their flesh. So the first thing we do is we make a decision, and I mean a quality decision, 
to hearken unto the voice of the Lord God, both through the Holy Spirit and through the word of God to attend to those words. Amen. That's the first thing that uh, diligently hearken means. Now, the second thing is that we are to obey or to be in, be in obedience to the word. This is the second definition of diligently hearkening to the voice of the Lord. Now, to be obedient to the word means we are to listen attentively with the intention of heeding and conforming to the authority of what's been spoken to us. Amen. So to diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord involves attending to his word with the decision to be obedient to his word. Now, Jesus in Matthew chapter seven, he said these words. He said that not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that does, does the will of my father, which is in heaven. Those, the doers are the ones that are going to get into heaven. And then Jesus spoke a parable. And he says that the doer, the person that is a doer of the word, when the rains come and the winds blow and beat upon that house, that house that was founded on the rock, it will not fail. Why? Because it was had a proper foundation. The, our foundation is the word of God and the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, everyone that hears these sayings of mine doesn't do them. He's likened unto a foolish man that built his house on the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell. Why? Because they were not doers of the word of God. Hallelujah. So being obedient to the word, doing what the word says, having it in our mind to put the word of God first place and then being willing to do to obey it. Praise God. That's going to cause us to have great success. So now the third part of diligently hearkening to the word is to do it. Amen. And the best verse of scripture that describes uh, being a doer of the word is what James wrote in James chapter one. <clears throat> he said, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. Why does being a hearer and not a doer uh, deceive us? Because we thinking we're thinking in our mind, I don't have to do that and nothing's going to happen to me. That's like a foolish child that goes to the grocery store and steals an apple because he says, well, you know, if mama catches me, she's not going to do anything to me. Well, mama does catch her, catch that boy. Amen. And whips the daylight out of him. And then he realizes that there's consequences. There's always consequences when we choose to be just a hearer of the word and not a doer. So the conditions of doing the word of God is, number one, we hearken to the voice of the Lord. Number two, we do what is right in his sight. Number three, we give ear to his commandments. And number four, we keep all of his statutes. Now, what are these called? These are called stipulations. They're called conditions of the covenant which the Lord required of Israel, the same stipulations that God requires of us. And then God said this 
if you do all these things, then I will put, this is verse 26, then I will put none of these diseases upon you, which I brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that heals thee. Now, I want us to look at this phrase, I will put none. That is written in the imperfect tense, which means that as long as you obey me, I will not put these diseases. Now, I'm telling you, a lot of people think this is just permissive. In a way, it is. But uh, Hebrew scholars tells us that there's no causative or permissive tenses in Hebrew. And I like the Septuagint rendering of this verse of Scripture that says, No disease which I brought upon the Egyptians will I bring upon thee. So what is this telling us? Well, there are the blessings of the covenant, but there's also the cursing of the covenant. If we don't understand that, then we need to read Deuteronomy chapter 28. So this promise, I will put none of the diseases upon thee, is based upon the condition set by the Lord God and by the Lord God himself. If you will hearken to my voice and do what's right and give ear to my commandments and keep all my statutes, then I will put none of these diseases. Amen. Praise God. Upon thee, which I brought upon the Egyptians. So this is how we stay free and clear when it comes to serving God. We do these things to honor him. Why? Because we love him. Amen. And you see, Jesus in the New Testament he has the same conditional promises that he gives to his followers. John 14, verses uh, 15, 16. If you love me, keep my commandments. And notice what he says. And I will pray the Father, and he'll give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. And also in John 14, verses 23 through 27. If a man loves me, notice that word if. Both verses start off, both passages start off with if. If a man loves me, he will keep my words. And then he says down here, in uh, verse 24, He that loves me not keeps not my sayings. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. Amen. Praise God. Now, notice over here in John chapter 15. Notice what he says in verse 10. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Amen. And then he says in verse 11, these things I've spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you. And then he says in verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. So this is the new covenant with conditions. We are to love. And we are to keep his commandments. That's how we show God that we love him. And this is the condition of friendship. And we're, when we talk about friendship, 
We're talking about covenant friendship with the Lord Jesus Christ and with God, our heavenly father. Now, we also need to understand this, that God's love is unconditional. However, our friendship with God is conditional. It's based upon what we've just read. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you keep my commandments, then you love me. You have proven that you love me. And that's why a lot of times we have a lot of tests and trials when it comes to keeping the commandments of God, especially in the area of love. Well, God allows these things to prove us. Are we going to remain, remain faithful or are we not? See, so when we step out of love, we're stepping out of the covenant relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. And when we sin, we break fellowship. Amen. We break friendship. But there is the grace of God that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. But now I want to end this session by reading verse 27. And they came to Elim. After they left Mara, they came to Elim, where were 12 wells of water and three score and 10 palm trees. And they camped there by the waters. Three score and 10 would be 70. So here they are after Mara. Moses leads Israel south to Elim. And there, there is this oasis. I'm telling you, it is just absolutely beautiful. Twelve wells of water, 70 palm trees for them to enjoy and to rest. Hallelujah. But now what do these 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees speak to us of? Well, 12 is God's order, a blessing. And 70 is victory. Seven times victory. Praise God. And it speaks to us not only of victory, but of abundance upon his people when they attend, obey, and do according to the covenant. See, that's God speaking to us today. If we'll obey him and walk in love and keep God's commandments, what is God promising to us? Then I will order my blessing upon you and I will make sure that you have victory and abundance in your life. Praise God. Hallelujah. So it's worth it. We may run into Mara every now and then that makes our life bitter. But if we'll not grumble and we'll look to the cross and we'll look to Jesus, he'll make that bitter water. He'll make it sweet again. Praise God. And then we can march on. Amen. To Elam where there's 12 wells of water, praise God, and 70 palm trees. Blessing and victory in store for us if we'll just obedient to be obedient to the Word of God. Hallelujah. Father, we bless you today and thank you for this Word. Strike it deep into our hearts, Father, so that we'll know not to sin against you. And Father, stir our faith to believe you for the very best that you have to offer your children. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. 
I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.